sports fans betters and cappers and welcome to the daily competitive hedge podcast i'm your host of the show kenneth cotterell and this show is all about sports and the world of betting we talk about the results from yesterday's games and wagers before diving into the betting plays for today now our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor bet 99 bet 99 is a canadian sports book and casino that offers in-play betting player props and many more great products there are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. The Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on our live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS to get started. Please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. Let's talk about yesterday's betting recap. It was the worst one in show history. And so uh, we're not thrilled with how everything went. But nonetheless, we had Dallas plus nine and a half versus Connecticut was not particularly close in that game, which is very unfortunate. Then we had the White Sox. Plus one and a half versus Houston. They get blown out entirely 21 to five. Luis Garcia went five innings pitched in four Ks and the Astros hit four home runs in the blowout as well. Then we had San Francisco. They lost to Arizona five to nothing. Minus 145 was what the line was there. But Zach Gallen goes seven and a third inning pitched with 12 Ks. Logan Webb with zero Ks in four and two thirds innings pitched. Then we had Boston Moneyline. They get blown out by the Pirates. Brubaker goes seven innings with seven Ks. And then we had the San Diego Padres. They lost outright to Washington. And we had them minus two and a half. Darvish, eight and a third inning, six Ks, and still a loss. And then NFL preseason-wise, 27 to 11. We had the over 39. So we missed the push by a point. Just a bad day. What else do you chalk it up to? Uh, everything we bet didn't pan out, but it's a new day today. Got up early, had a coffee, and we're ready to go with today's slate. Now, as far as some of the other games go yesterday, it was a full MLB day. We did see St. Louis blow at Colorado 13 to nothing. Uh, Wainwright, seven innings pitched, seven Ks, and Albert Pujols, he hit his 11th home run of the year in the victory. Then Texas won 10 to three over Oakland. Dane Dunning, he went six innings pitched with four Ks, and Nathan Lowe hit a three-run home run for the Rangers in their victory. Then we had Milwaukee. They won 5-3 to three over the Dodgers. Burns had six Ks, and McCutcheon hit two home runs in the victory for the Brewers. We had the Cubs 3-2 to two yesterday versus Baltimore. Adrian Sampson, five and two-thirds innings pitched with six Ks. Contreras also hit two home runs as well in the win. Then we saw Toronto 9-2 over the Yankees. Berrios, 9 Ks. 
and Vladdy Jr. He hit a home run in the Jays' blowout win. Then you had Tampa Bay, 7-1 versus Kansas City. Diaz and Betancourt both hit home runs in the win. And Atlanta won 3-2 over the Mets. Over the Mets. Freed had seven innings pitched and six Ks. And then WNBA playoff-wise, we had Seattle. They won 86-83, so they didn't cover the minus four from yesterday. But Brianna Stewart had 23-11 in the win, while Elena Deladon had 26 points and five assists in the loss. Now, BMW Championship update. We did have uh, Patrick Cantley and Rory McIlroy, both of our winners. Uh, unfortunately, they're T12 heading into today. Rory should be a lot higher up there. Unfortunately, he had a double bogey on the back nine, but they are all chasing Keegan Bradley, who's at minus seven. Adam Scott is one shot behind as well at minus six, and then a whole slew of guys at minus five and minus four. Top five wise, not Tony Finau's week. He shoots a terrible score yesterday, so T65 for him. Then top 10, we have Burns and Zalatoris. They're both T24. So they're still in the hunt. Just need a good Friday today. And then top 20, we had Billy Horschel. Uh, he's T24, so he's right in the mix. And then Sepp Straka, T48. Just need a couple of these guys to turn it around on day two. And we are in for a good day of PGA action. Now let's talk about today's slate of games. It's a loaded one. We're not going to focus on MLB. That's where we've been our coldest. We do have a couple MLB plays later on, but the focus is on the other sports happening today. Like the World Juniors, we've got the semifinals of the World Juniors today. Canada versus the Czech Republic. Now, the Czech Republic are coming off the upset, in a, biggest upset in a long time in this tournament. They beat the United States, uh, and so they're taking on Canada in this semifinal. Now, Canada, they're minus three and a half uh, for this game. Uh, over-under in this game is seven. Now, Canada coming off the 5-2, or how bad did they beat the Swiss? They beat them pretty badly. I think it was 6-3 that they beat them. And so they're coming in needing a big result here in order to get to the final. Sweden and Finland. Finland's minus 200. The over-under's 5.5 here. Sweden, they beat Latvia 2-1 to one to get here, whereas Finland beat Germany 5-2. to two. The Finns are the more favored team here. This is a part of our betting card that we'll be talking about in a little bit here. NFL-wise, we've got three preseason games. Carolina versus New England. You still have Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold battling it out for the starting job. And no Mac Jones likely today. This one will be a part of our betting card. New Orleans versus Green Bay. No Rodgers likely, but Jordan Love will get some snaps today. Likely Ian Book and Andy Dalton for New Orleans to get reps as well. Then we have the Texans and Rams. Davis Mills played last game, but only a series. And Jeff Driscoll saw some snaps as well. I doubt we see Matt Stafford today, who's still dealing with a little bit of a shoulder issue. He'll be ready for week one, but I don't see them risking it in this preseason game. Now, let's talk the couple MLB games that are of note, but we're not betting on today. Boston and Baltimore, you got Cutter Crawford taking on Jordan Lyles. The over-under here is nine. We're just staying away as both these teams really need a result here. Then we have the Mets and Phillies. Chris Bassett versus Aaron Nola. Great pitching matchup today. Not one that we trust either side. And then White Sox and Guardians, similar situation. You got Lance Lynn and Tristan McKenzie on the mound for that game. Now, CFL-wise, we've got a couple games on the slate today. 
the Edmonton Elks, who are two and seven on the year, take on the Ottawa Red Blacks, one who are one and seven heading into this game. Now, Ottawa, they're minus four and a half. The over under line here is 48 and a half. You just can't trust betting either one of these teams. They they tend to either no show or keep it very close. And so when you have two CFL bottom feeders, wouldn't recommend betting on this game. Uh, but if you do want to take a line, I would take the under 48 and a half. I think one of these offenses isn't going to show up today and the other one won't have enough to cover that total. Then you've got BC who are seven and one taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, my home team, five who are five and four heading into this one. Now, BC yesterday, they were minus five and a half that since moved to four and a half. The over under total is 52 and a half, which is a high total for the CFL. But it'll happen when you've got Tanner Rourke for BC and then Saskatchewan being at home. Now, the Riders, they've lost three of their last four, including their last one to BC, 32-17. to They do need to establish the run game in this game if they're going to keep it close. When you've got a guy that's leading the league in, in yards and TDs, clearly the most valuable player in the CFL this year, then you're going to need to keep the ball out of his hands if you want to have a chance at winning this game. So with that, let's look at the hedge morning plays. These are our official plays that we like. They'll be posted on Twitter a little bit later on today. But as of now, these are the plays that we really love. Starting with Carolina and New England in the NFL. I like the under 40 in this game. Big reason why, I still don't think we're going to see Mac Jones today. If we do, it might be a series. Carolina, they're going to play Baker. They're going to play Darnold. But I don't think that they're going to have the offense necessary in order to go over. 66% of the public is on the under 40 as well. And so I really love this play today of Carolina and New England under 40 at minus 110. Then we got the Brewers and Cubs today. I like the Brewers money line at minus 140. Aaron Ashby on the mound. Yes, the 2-10 and 10 record is concerning, but the 4.24 ERA is not that bad. When you look at his last uh, number of starts, he's had eight earned runs in 21 innings pitched. So he's going to pitch reasonably well today. Keegan Thompson on the mound, he's 9-5 and five with a 3.67 ERA. So a lot of people will like the Cubs because of that. But he's given up uh, four earned runs in his last start. So I don't really trust him in this game. 79% of the public is on the Brewers' money line. I hate the Cubs' bats, so I really like Brewers' money line at minus 140. Then we've got Toronto plus 110 versus the New York Yankees. They got Gossman on the mound. He's 8-9 and nine with a 3.16 ERA, taking on Jamison Tayon, who's 11-3 with a 3.95 ERA. Now, the Yankees, they've been ice cold as of late. They've won just three of their last 10. And in four of those five games, they've given up. They've only scored two or less runs. So the offense just has not been there. They had the one offensive explosion against Tampa where they had eight. But outside of that, they're not scoring a ton. You got 60% of the publics on Toronto money line and Toronto. They're only a game and a half up in the wild card over the twins. So I really think they need this game. They know they need this game and they're going to be the struggling Yankees team. So I'm taking Toronto money line at plus 110 world juniors. I like Finland and Sweden over five and a half. I don't like them to blow past this line, but these, because these have been two of the lower scoring teams in the tournament, but I think we see a three to two game in the third we're either going to see it get pushed to overtime at 3-3 or we're going to see an empty netter 4-2. Either way, it's plus money at plus 105. 
I think obviously the winner of this game is going to go on likely take on Canada unless the Czechs can pull off the upset of the century on back-to-back games. So I really like the over five and a half here. CFL wise, I like BC minus four and a half versus Saskatchewan, taking my bias out of it. Tanner Rourke leads the league in yards, almost 500 more yards than any other quarterback and touchdowns as well. Saskatchewan struggling. They may be at home, but I just think they aren't in BC's league. I think it's a three-team race right now in the CFL between Winnipeg, Calgary, and BC. Saskatchewan has no KQB in Cody Fajardo, but they don't have that upper echelon QB that you need in order to compete. And so I think Saskatchewan drops one tonight. Unfortunately, got buddies going to that game, and they may be disappointed, but luckily the beer will be cold on this Friday. And then to cap it off, we're also going to throw in our EPL play for early tomorrow morning. As much as I would love to get up and do a 5 a.m. show prior to kickoff, going to sleep in and then wake up and watch this game instead. That being Tottenham versus Wolves, over-under is two and a half goals. Uh, and so I like the over two and a half goals at minus 137. Tottenham, they've gone over in both of their games, four to one and two to two. Wolves, on the other hand, they've scored just one goal in their last two games. And so I expect one goal from Wolves in this game, and I do think that Tottenham's going to go on and win probably by a 3-1 to scoreline. It's also why I like both teams to score, so I'm throwing that in there as well uh, because I see it being Wolves finally getting a goal. And then parlay those together, plus 137. It's the same game parlay. Love that one over at Bet99. That's where you can get that play. But thank you, everyone, who listened this morning to the live show. If you're listening to the podcast version of this show, stay tuned as we've got Dream Better on to discuss his Los Angeles Chargers. We talked some betting lines and some fantasy football there. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 19th, which means our 19th NFL team preview is upon us. Now, yesterday, the discussion was all about the other LA team, that being the LA team that went on to win the Super Bowl. But today... We've got an equally exciting L.A. team being the L.A. Chargers, and this is also our final team from the AFC West. So this is kind of like our AFC West wrap up. Now, I am joined today by one of my favorite people in the betting space. He goes by Dream Better, always putting out phenomenal plays for the folks over there in the betting space. So I want to welcome you, Dream, to the show. How are you doing today, man? Doing good, doing good. I appreciate it. Yeah, my bets haven't been going as well lately, but uh Definitely appreciate you having me on, uh, letting me talk about a team that I I root for and a team that I hope to be able to pour some insight in for everybody else as well. I love it. So the Chargers, we're going to start by recapping their 2021-2022 season. Now, you could call it disappointing because they didn't make the playoffs, but the fact of the matter is they did improve upon their record from a year ago. They went from 7-9 and nine to 9-8. Nine and eight. They picked up some early wins against Kansas City and against Cleveland. But down the stretch faded. They went five and seven the rest of the way. Losses to the Texans really hurt. And then obviously the week 18 loss to the Raiders, 35 to 32 in overtime. Tough to relive some of these memories, but obviously the improvement was great. This was a good team that unfortunately just missed the playoffs. So what did you make of last season? Obviously, you see a bit of improvement, but no playoff football. So what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean. For me, it's always exciting to see our quarterback, Justin Herbert. I, I grew up an Oregon Ducks fan, and so uh, watching or- Oregon Duck legend quarterback Justin Herbert come to the Chargers, um, actually perform well, um, seeing him be taking over the league and hearing people talk about him has been exciting for the Chargers. 
I've always been a superstitious person, superstitious person, though. When I hear people talking about my team a lot, it gets me a little bit more nervous about how well they're going to do. Um, and we kind of saw that last year as the, they got closer and closer to the, the playoffs. And, you know, you kept hearing Chargers have a chance to make the playoffs. Chargers have a chance to make the playoffs. And unfortunately, the, the results spoke for themselves. They didn't make the playoffs because of that. Uh, not going to a tie game or not beating the Raiders in week 18. Yeah, definitely some bad memories, but uh, we move on to the next year and hopefully we can have a better season. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's there was a lot of teams in the AFC that were in the mix. It came down to the final week of the year, as it often does in, in these playoff races. And, you know, there was a lot of, if this team wins, then this team loses, then this team gets in. And unfortunately, they just needed to pick up a win against the Raiders, but a division opponent and a close game nonetheless. So let's move on to the offseason because we want to focus on the future, what's truly going to matter here, which is how well they're going to do in 2022-2023. Now, the addition of Khalil Mack right out of the gate was a major one for your defense. You also go out, you get J.C. Jackson. On the offensive side, you had Gerald Everett, the tight end, Kyle Van Oy as well on defense. And then you extended a couple guys as well. You had Mike Williams that you extended three years, 60 million. And you had Derwin James just a day ago, four years, 76 and a half million. So what did you make of the offseason from the outside looking in? Not that I'm a Chargers guy, but from the outside, it looks like a really great offseason for this team, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, and that's the big thing I would say is the Chargers offensively have always seemed to to know what they're doing. It seems to be that defense that has let us down the most in seasons past. They've always just uh, seemed to allow those big plays in the fourth quarter, always allowed teams to come back into the game and can't uh, can't really hold that lead that they've created for themselves. So to see us sign, you know, get get Cleo Mack to be able to extend Derwin James, to be able to to see our defense still with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram in there. It's an exciting, it's an exciting defense to actually finally have for the Chargers, and you know, hopefully we can see the Chargers have a better season out of it. Because yeah, I've never really had concerns with our offense. Our offense has always seemed to have those things clicking, going together, but it's always been that defense that has always given me concerns. And to see us be able to pick up some big names and some have some big names now on our team brings some excitement for me at least. For sure. And I think this this has been a long time thing for the Chargers. I mean, you even go back and look at the Phillip Rivers years, always good offenses. It was always, can the defense show up and give us a chance to win some of these close games? Now you have that. JC Jackson in the secondary, as I mentioned, and the pass rush. <laughs> you got Bosa on one side and Mac on the other. I mean, it's going to be very exciting to see them pressure the quarterback and create some turnovers. But they also went out in the draft. They get Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Anytime you can protect your franchise quarterback is huge. And so getting a good solid guard in the first round, I think, was a great pickup for the Chargers. Now, looking forward to this year, we have to we have to talk about, okay, well, they made all these moves. Where does this put them within their own division? Because they're in the toughest division in the NFL. Everybody knows it. Last year it was the NFC West. This year it's the AFC West. And you look at the Raiders who added Devontae Adams. You look at Denver finally gets their quarterback in Russell Wilson. You still got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City despite no Tyree kills. So given that you've sa even said that you're a bit of a pessimistic Chargers fan of like you don't love talking about when everyone's in on your team, you're like, oh, I don't know. So 
where do you kind of see them fitting in this division from a Vegas perspective? They think they're the second best team, but, but where do you kind of fit them in, in this AFC West? Yeah, I, I, I kind of absolutely agree with Vegas. Vegas seems to have those, those numbers pretty dialed in. I see the chargers being in the second or third ranked spot in the division. I definitely see them above the Raiders um, being in this division. But when you look at what the Broncos did in this off season, and when you look at what the chiefs did in this off season, even, you know, people think that the Chiefs made a, a, a downgrade by getting rid of Tyreek Hill, but you can look still at the Chiefs, and they're still a an offensive powerhouse. They're still a team that you need to be afraid of when it comes to to playing them in that division. So yeah, I definitely would put the Chargers maybe around second, maybe around third. I would definitely put the Broncos towards the top, and I would definitely put the Chiefs towards the top, and obviously the Raiders more towards the bottom of the division myself. Yeah, and Vegas is very clear with that as well. They think the Raiders are the long shot to win that division, but it has happened before. I mean, you look at last year, it was the Cardinals were the long shot to win the West, and then suddenly they they go out and do it. So I think anything can happen in this division because even from the over-under win total, we've talked about it on previous episodes, all of them see them as an above nine-win team. And so if you get to nine and eight, you're potentially in the playoffs now the expectations are a bit higher on the chargers than they would be for the Raiders, because depending on your book, you've got 10 and a half, some places, and then you've just got the even 10 in other places. So uh, what do you make of the over under win total there at 10? Like, where do you tend to lean with that one? Yeah. Every time I've looked at this schedule, it gets me a little weary that we can get to that 11th win. I, I, I definitely see us being able to hit that 10 wins. And so if your book is sitting at 10 and a half, I might even lean towards the under on that uh, win total for it because getting to that 11th win might be a little difficult for the Chargers going to their division. I definitely see this being a two and two uh, or three and three going out of the division um, when they leave it and then trying to get those other eight wins outside of their, you know, outside of the division games kind of makes it a little bit more difficult into their schedule. There's a couple ones where you can look at the schedule and say, yeah, that should be an easy win. And uh, then there's some ones where you really have to put a question mark on it. And so for me personally, my book has it at 10. And so I don't like to bet to push very often. Um, But if I were to take it, I would still actually take the under on the Chargers. I could see them finishing maybe even around nine and eight again, similar to last year. Um, But I would even lean for those who are looking at the 10 and a half, definitely going under out in the 10 and a half. I definitely don't see the Chargers squeaking out this 11th win this season like i said i am a pessimistic chargers fan but i'm I'm, i I think that makes me more realistic about my team not setting high expectations for a team that still hasn't got all those pieces together justin herbert has a lot of pressure on his shoulders and he hasn't proven to be able to handle all that pressure just yet and until he can handle all that pressure i definitely still see the chargers struggling to uh to get out some of those wins this year i i agree with you on the not betting to push like at 10, I feel okay taking the over, but that being said, 10 and a half, then I start to get a little bit sketched out because nine and eight, I feel like they made too many moves to, to stay right where they are. The question is how many more games can they actually win? You mentioned the schedule. I agree. I think it's a three and three division across the board. Absolute best case scenario. It's four and two. So If that's the case, then you have to go out and win seven or eight of your 11 non-division games. Now, early on, I think, is going to determine where this win total is going to go. You get Jacksonville, you get Houston, you get Seattle, you get Cleveland without Deshaun Watson all very early in the year. 
So those are ones that you would chalk up as, okay, if this Chargers team is going to go over, they have to win those games. After their bye week, you have the Falcons, once again, one that you should win. But then you get into that sketchy territory, the question marks that you talked about, because you get the rest of the NFC West. So you have San Fran. How is Trey Lance going to look? You have the Cardinals. Now they're going to have DeAndre Hopkins back. How does the offense look with him and Hollywood Brown and everyone? Then you still have the Rams, which is the defending Super Bowl champions. And then you have Indianapolis. You have Tennessee, Miami. Those are a lot of teams that you have question marks about, okay, they could be really good or at that juncture, they could be out of the race. So I get sketched out when you get to 10 and a half. At 10, I would feel a bit better betting the over because I feel like they're going to get to 10 wins. But nonetheless, I think there's better bets to be made with this Chargers team. And I know we talked about a couple before we went live here. So what would be the best bet for you on the Chargers if you're looking at future bets here? Yeah, for me, some of the things that I was looking at that I just noticed this morning um, were where the Chargers can finish within their division. Um, they Chargers can finish second in their division. You can get that at around plus 230. And then you can even get Chargers to finish third in their division around plus 260. Like I said earlier, I think that the Chargers are right in the middle of the pack of their division. I don't think that they're top of the division, but I definitely don't see them at the bottom of the division. And when you look at the value of getting a team at plus 200 on both second and in third, I think that you can find some really good value, whether you want to call it hedging or whether you want to call it just, hey, I'll lay a half unit on either side of it. You know, I think that you have some great value looking at the Chargers to finish second or third in the division, whether they, you know, can outlast the Broncos or whether they can, you know, if they can beat the Chiefs for a second, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as they're finishing right in the middle of the pack, you're a happy camper at the end of the season. I, I think we will go with hedging to just play off the podcast name just in general. I think it's a great way of doing so to promote the brand. But I do think as well that I said it on the Denver show that I, I like them to win the division. I like the odds there at plus 265. But I think if there was a team that I would take instead of them, it would be Kansas City. So I agree. I think the Chargers, they're going to lose probably a game or two that they shouldn't because, as you said, Herbert's still trying to figure it out. We keep crowning him as the next big thing, and I agree. I think he's the next big quarterback in the NFL. But is he there yet in year three? It may take a little bit more time, even though the roster's a little bit better. Now, I think the Raiders are a distant fourth as well. And I say distant fourth, but they're probably still going to win eight games. So I have a lot of faith in the Chargers being in the middle of that pack. I think Russell Wilson or Mahomes, they're the more experienced QBs. They've got good all-around teams. And so I think one of them is going to take the division crown. I still like the Chargers to make the playoffs. I don't love the odds of minus 167. I want to stay away from that as far as a future bet goes. But I like your hedging opportunity here because you got two plays that are both plus 200 or better. And if either one of them hits, then you're a happy camper, as you said. So I agree with you. I really like those plays for the Chargers this year. Now, fantasy wise, I know you're not a fantasy guy. We talked about it before, but we can still get some insight as far as, okay, how do you think individual players years are going to go? Because you're a Chargers fan, you watch all the games. So Starting with quarterback, you have Justin Herbert. Now, last year, from a fantasy perspective, he was the second-ranked quarterback, just behind Josh Allen. This year, they have him as quarterback three. He's behind Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. From a fantasy perspective, you can get him in the third round, but 
I'll talk more fantasy wise. How do you see Herbert's third year going? He's already shown that he's very good. He just needs to get to the playoffs. So do you see him taking a further step this year? Yeah, I, I definitely like what Herbert's been able to do. I, I think he's got some more offensive firepower to go to this year. When you look at some of the things that we were able to do in this offseason with picking up some, some people and making sure that we extended Mike Williams, it's always good to make sure that you have a good offensive line that your quarterback can be protected like we were talking about, but also to make sure that you have some offensive people to go to as your quarterback. If you don't have anybody to throw it to, you're never really going to really want that quarterback in your on your team or to do anything with them. But Justin Herbert still has, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to throw it to. He's got a great offensive line to keep him protected. And so I think that when you look at him being drafted early on or being drafted as your quarterback, he's a great pickup to be able to have on your team. He's been able to establish himself, like you said, in this league. It's just, you know, the good thing when it comes to fantasy, you don't have to worry about him winning the game or losing the game. All you have to worry about is how many yards can he get you and how many touchdowns will he throw. And so that's one of the great parts about fantasy side of it is how many points will he get you at the end of the day for sure and from the fantasy perspective side of things what i like is the the way that his weapons complement him like keenan allen is that guy that he feels like he can target 10 or 12 times a game allen's gonna catch the majority of them and he's just a very safe wide receiver option when you have the deep ball with mike williams that's also huge but then even if a team does get pressure on He's got Austin Eckler in the backfield, one of the best receiving backs in the entire league. So this is why I think Herbert has great fantasy value. Now, I don't believe in drafting a quarterback that early, but if I had Justin Herbert sitting there in the fourth round, maybe I drafted Keenan Allen as my first wide receiver. I got a couple running backs. I really think about a Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen stack because I know that those two as a tandem are incredible. And so I think Justin Herbert, I see him being in that two or three range once again from a fantasy perspective. If you draft him early, you may give up a little bit at other positions, but you know consistently Herbert's going to be very good for you. Now, we, I mentioned the running back, Austin Eckler. He's the fourth ranked guy in all of fantasy on draft boards. He's only behind three running backs. He's behind Jonathan Taylor, number one guy last year. Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, though, are two guys that They've been a little bit banged up the last couple years. So where do you see Eckler's year going? I think he's a great fantasy option, but what do you see from his year as a whole? He doesn't have a lot of competition in that backfield, so he does see the field a lot in this offense. Absolutely, and I think that they trust him a lot in the red zone as well, um, especially when those they know to cover Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. If you can get uh, Austin Eckler running out of the backfield, even on a little wheel route, it's a perfect little way for us, you, to get some red zone touchdowns with Austin Eckler. He's one of those guys that will grind through on those first and second down run plays. And now that we have a better offensive line, it'll definitely be able to help him hopefully get further down the field to pick up more rushing yards on each carry. So, yeah, I really like Austin Eckler going, doing a lot better this year. Um, definitely see him as one of the top running backs, actually, in the league. I find it interesting that you said Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry are ranked a little bit above him because, yeah, like you said, those two guys have been very injury prone, especially Christian McCaffrey. That's the thing is I think it, if you're drafting number one, you're going to take Jonathan Taylor coming off the year that he had. But at number two, if I have the second pick, I think Eckler is your safest option. Now you draft Christian McCaffrey if you think that he's going to stay healthy and you have no way of knowing that. But he has probably the highest upside of anyone in fantasy because 
he's going to get 60 rushing yards, 60 receiving minimum touchdowns galore. But if he doesn't play, then you completely shoot yourself in the foot and you lose your fantasy league based off of your first round pick. Derrick Henry, he's starting to get up there. The Titans have run him into the ground the last couple of years. And so I think Eckler's your best option to take at number two because he may not necessarily be the guy that wins you the league, but he's definitely not going to be the guy that loses it because I see him playing a full schedule this year. Now, wide receiver-wise, we already mentioned Keenan Allen. He's going early third round of drafts. So once again, if he's there, you could take him in the third, maybe get Herbert in the fourth, and it's a great stack. Now, he's in the wide receiver range of A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin. The thing that I like the most is that out of those three guys, Keenan Allen's got the best quarterback. And I really look in fantasy at, okay, who's in a good offense? And Keenan Allen's definitely that. Now, there's also been a lot made of Mike Williams. They He's coming off of a great season. Uh, his ADP is 52, which means he's kind of going in that fifth round range. So you can wait a couple rounds and get a guy like Mike Williams. Now, for you, who do you think is the true number one in this offense? For a lot of years, it's been Allen. Is it still Allen? Does Williams have the potential to overtake him? Yeah, I've actually believed that Williams is actually kind of stepping up to that bigger role, especially since he's the bigger guy. He's the taller guy. He's got the bigger wingspan. He's he's even got speed like Keenan Allen does. We've seen Justin Herbert put a lot of trust into Mike Williams running down the sideline. We see that he turns to him when it's you know short down in the goal uh, in the red zone. Yeah, I think Mike Williams is one of those people that people are looking at and have him underrated versus Keenan Allen because of just how well Keenan Allen's done in the past. But Mike Williams, I think is one of Justin Herbert's favorite targets to go to in some of those tough situations because he knows he's got the bigger body over a lot of the cornerbacks in the league as well. I think that's been the key is that when it was the rivers offense, for sure. I like Keenan Allen more, but Mike Williams, you saw it last year, you could get him later in drafts and then he blew up. Now he's coming back to the fifth round instead of closer to the eighth or ninth. So what I think you can even do is you could draft one of these other guys. Maybe it's A.J. Brown. Maybe it's Terry McLaurin. T. Higgins with Joe Burrows, another one in that range. Then you get Herbert in four, and then you swing around to get Mike Williams in five. And then you still get that nice wide receiver quarterback stack that you want. And Williams is a great option there to kind of be your second or third wide receiver on your team. Now, I think that's about it from a fantasy perspective. Now, tight end, they do have Gerald Everett that they brought in. He's going a bit later in drafts. I think he's more of a waiver wire guy. You're hoping that he's catching a touchdown any given week because a lot of the production is going to go to the three guys that I mentioned already. Would you agree? Do you think Gerald Everett is a viable fantasy option or do you think you're just hoping for a touchdown with him? Yeah, I, I wouldn't even consider personally putting Gerald Everett on my team. He's, he may be one of those people that if you see later in the season, I don't think anybody will really be picking him up. You might be able yeah. to pick him off, off the board later in the season um, because, yeah, he's definitely not one of going to be Justin Herbert's top targets for the season. I definitely say the three other people that we've been mentioning, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams will be those three main targets that he's going to be going for. Yeah. Everett would, would, to me, be somebody you don't even need to draft or worry about as much, but you can consider him later on in the season if you see that Justin Herbert's got a real strong connection with him as well. Yeah, and I think the only way you're really picking him up even is injuries or your tight ends on a bye week. That that would be the only reason to pick him up, and he's going to be in there with a lot of other tight ends where you might just be playing the matchup, maybe who's playing the Jets, who's playing the Falcons, and if it's not one of those teams, then 
you're probably not wanting to start Gerald Everett if he's taken on a team like the Rams. So, Dream, this has been a ton of fun, man, having you on the show. Um, I want to know, what would you consider a successful year for your Chargers? And then after that, promote your work and everything that you're doing over there on Twitter. Yeah, for me, a successful season for the Chargers is making the playoffs. Whether that's, you know, being the seventh seed or the last seed of the the playoffs, I'm happy with just making the playoffs as a, a Chargers fan. We haven't seen them make the playoffs since 2018, and it's been a while. And I would love for them to even just see them win one game in the playoffs. Maybe just see them get some momentum going into the next season. This is definitely not, to me, a Super Bowl season for us. And if we did make the Super Bowl, even better. But I would just love to see the Chargers hit the playoffs and maybe win a, uh, win a game so Justin Herbert can have that under his belt. So getting a little bit more momentum going into the next season. And for me, it's just on Twitter. I have a Twitter account at Dream Better, and it's very simple to follow. Just type in Dream Better, and you'll be able to locate me. All of my plays that I post are on there, and I'm happy to answer anybody's questions when it comes to betting on teams like the Chargers. That's awesome, man. And I want to say I I have similar kind of expectations, but also what I think would be a successful season is making the playoffs is number one. Um, Justin Herbert needs to just be there. Even if it does mean losing his first playoff game, that's fine. But if there's a team out there that has that Bengals type of potential of like maybe going on a run, I think it is this group, a first time playoff team with with a young superstar quarterback. Um, he just needs to get his first taste of playoff success. If you get a ticket to the dance, especially in the AFC, it could just be all matchup based. You could be facing off with the Chiefs in round one. It could be the Bills, but it could also be the Colts, the way that it's going to shape up in the AFC. So I think we're in for an exciting season. I think Chargers fans are as well. And Dream, once again, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And everyone who listens every single day to the Competitive Hedge podcast, drop us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify really helps us grow as a show and we will see you guys tomorrow for the daily competitive hedge podcast.